When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Live from Liverpool, the Dark Paranormal, Season 7. Hi everyone and welcome back to the Dark Paranormal, Season 7. Firstly, I'd like to say a big thank you to everyone who reached out following last week's episode, An Unholy Darkness. I absolutely love receiving your theories and your comments on the experiences of our listeners that are submitted each and every week. And please keep them coming. You can email us at thedarkparanormal at hotmail.com or if you'd like to put a face to the voice, you can head over to Twitter and search for at KevJEustace. It's your paranormal experiences and your comments which make this show a truly collaborative experience. And with that said, it seems an apt time, as today we start the second half of Season 7, to give you some information regarding Season 8. As you'll have figured out by now, we like to alternate seasons here on The Dark Paranormal, so we will go from true listener experiences in one season, and the season following we will look at some of the more famous paranormal cases. However, from looking back at your feedback over the previous 24 months, It appears a lot of you enjoy the true listener paranormal experiences more. So therefore, from Season 8, what we will do, with the exception perhaps of one or two episodes, is entirely focus on your true listener paranormal experiences. And that means two things. One, we get to feature more of your true experiences on each and every season. And number two, submissions for Season 8 are now open. So, if you have a true paranormal experience which you think would do well receiving the dark paranormal treatment, email it over to thedarkparanormal at hotmail.com. The listener experience that we will cover today is one of those fascinating ones where it may well leave you with more questions than answers. You will see as we reach the end there are a number of theories of what could have taken place in this experience. But one thing is for sure, it's downright terrifying. And with that said, here's a quick trigger warning. Here on this show, we don't deal with the lighter side of the paranormal. We don't give stories about pets returning to give you a rub on the leg. We deal with the darker side of the paranormal. And inevitably, Dark stories will contain some topics you may find uncomfortable. Deaths, suicide, even murders are all relatively common within these type of stories. And of course, dependent on where your belief level sits, these stories can stay with you. Believe me, even I have woken up in the middle of the night absolutely terrified after one of these tales has played over and over throughout the day in my mind. 
But remember, that's the entire point of the show. To remind us that the paranormal can be a dark and scary place to hang around in. But before I try and back up that statement, I of course need to say a big thank you to all of our team members over on Patreon. When you sign up to Patreon, not only do you receive these episodes ad-free and before everyone else, you also receive access to the Patreon-only podcast Dark Bites, which comes out each and every week, even on the downtime between seasons. We've built a wonderful community of like-minded paranormal enthusiasts over on Patreon, and we'd like to extend an exclusive invitation just for you. Head over to patreon.com forward slash the dark paranormal just like these wonderful new team members have javier villagas aaron daniels amanda dustin brown luke reynolds jaden haddock barbara ferrandiz junk by junko geraldine panjaras missy edling amy davies benny boy 101588 isabella murphy michael e Jean mcgowan eddie roland tibbedine tammy nash stephanie davis and ashley keith thank you so much guys i hope you enjoy all of the ad free content and of course the back catalogue of the dark bites patreon podcast So once more, if you'd like to become a team member, head over to patreon.com forward slash the dark paranormal. But right now, lower the lights, make yourself comfortable, and of course, leave your disbelief at the door as we hear all about when malevolence arrives. My name is Sally, and I'm a retired caregiver from the Orkney Islands originally. I now spend my days in Devon, pottering about my garden and listening to podcasts, which is a new thing that I've found. I finally found some time to write down my paranormal experience, from back when I was a nanny for a private residence, back in Aberdeen during the 1990s. My employer was a senior manager in the oil trade, and was often away from home, be it heading out on a rig or spending weeks on end in the Middle East on business. Sadly, what brought about my employment was his wife had passed away from cancer shortly after his only daughter's 10th birthday. And although he was financially secure enough to take some time away from work, eventually he needed to return and to return to travelling. And that's where I came in. His daughter, I'll call her Lucy for this retelling, was a beautiful wee thing. And if the pictures around the house were anything to go by, she was going to be the double of her mother. All chestnut hair and green eyes. She was also bright. Top of her class in English and maths. And considering her recent loss, seemed mature way beyond her years. Obviously, there were times the poor thing would cry herself to sleep, but that's only to be expected. And you couldn't blame her if it were a nightly occurrence, but thankfully, it wasn't. There was also never any resentment towards me, as I feared would be the case. If I ever needed to reprimand her or have a tough conversation, she seemed to understand my role and why I was needed from day one. Her father, and again for this retelling I'll call him Alan, had spent the odd evening away from home in my first month there. But soon enough came his first requirement for a long-haul business trip. One of the directors, who was based out in Dubai, had passed away, 
and Alan was needed to fly over and work through the different client accounts that the director had been responsible for until they could find a replacement. This would be the first lengthy separation for Lucy and Alan since her mother's death. But yet again, she dealt with it in an exceptionally mature way. As soon as he arrived in Dubai, Alan was on the phone checking on Lucy. He was a good man who found himself in the most awful of situations. After spending a good 30 minutes on the phone with Lucy, she handed the phone over to me. Alan just wanted to check that everything was going as well as Lucy had just told him, and I confirmed that it was. Then he said a package would be arriving. It was the deceased man's work items, files and reports and such. Alan had convinced his bosses that he could work from home to sort through any outstanding work, and therefore he was able to cut his time away to just 10 days. Lucy was thrilled at this news, of course, and circled the date he would arrive back on the kitchen calendar. Around two days later, a courier dropped off a large cardboard box, the top of which was in a terrible state, dented, ripped, and partially recovered in tape. The courier was all, oh, it must have happened before it got to us, as these things tend to go but it was literally hanging open. When Alan called next, I explained how the box had arrived, and he quickly asked me to go and open it and check it had three certain files in. The rest, he said, didn't really matter. So I placed the receiver on the side and went and opened the box. Thankfully, the three files were there, which he was greatly relieved at and asked me to unpack the box on his office table for when he returned. Right then, Lucy, give me a hand with this, please, I said as we moved the box onto the desk. We laid out the three files side by side. What's this? Lucy asked, pulling out a small, brass-looking trinket from the box. I took it from her and could see that it was a horrid-looking goblin figure, about two inches high an evil grin plastered on its face and in a sort of crouching position, as if hiding from someone. There was a tiny carved inscription on the base that read, Treat me well, dot dot dot, or... Can I keep it? Lucy asked. No, love, that's your father's friends, I said, placing it on the desk. He wants me to have it, she replied. I've thought about this sentence since, and it's always bothered me. It wasn't, he would let me have it, or, dad would say it was okay. It was, he wants me to have it. Implying some discussion had already taken place with, someone. I didn't know it at the time, but the arrival of this horrid little trinket would see the start of a series of events that would forever change my view of the supernatural. The next morning, I made Lucy her usual cereal breakfast and called for her to take her seat at the kitchen table. She walked in with her usual smile and tucked into her breakfast. I walked over to fill the kettle when... I heard Lucy sniggering from the table behind me. "'What's so funny, Missy?' 
I said, turning round and smiling. Lucy was hiding behind her hands, like playing peekaboo, looking across the table at the little brass goblin, which was sat at the opposite side. Lucy, you know you're not meant to touch that, darling, I said. Her face was one of bewilderment. I I didn't move her. I thought you put it there, she replied. Then she sniggered and looked at the little figurine. I think he moved by himself. I felt a chill run down my spine just looking at the creepy little thing. Well, your father won't like it if he thinks you've been rooting through all his things, I said, picking up the horrid little thing and placing it in my handbag. I'll take it back up to the office once I've took you to school. Arriving back after dropping Lucy off, I made myself a cup of tea and settled down with a book at the kitchen table. Ten minutes later, as I was getting engrossed in the book, I continued reading and reached my hand across to slowly grab my cup of... My hand hit something on the way to the cup. That little figure was now laying on its side on the kitchen table. I froze in place, my arm still hovering just above the kitchen table, whilst my brain tried to unscramble itself to work out how this ugly thing had gotten itself out of my handbag and onto the table. Had I absent-mindedly put it there when I got my book out? Possibly, but surely I would have... Something rapped against the window, causing me to spin my head round. I stood to investigate and, walking over, found that a magpie had perched itself on the outside windowsill. I jumped as I watched the bird banging its beak against the window pane, before finally laughing at myself for being so scared, and knocked back on the window to shoo the bird away. Turning back to the table... The little goblin figurine was, thankfully, still on the table, the sunlight reflecting off its monogrammed base. I walked over and picked it up, studying it some more. I thought to myself, why on earth would anyone want to own such an evil-looking thing I'll never know? I took it back up to the office and, reaching on my tiptoes, pushed it to the back of a cabinet nudging it just out of sight should an inquisitive ten-year-old come snooping. Did you put that figure back? Lucy asked as I collected her from school. I did, love, yes. I've locked it away so he doesn't go walk about again. I smiled in the rearview mirror. Lucy's face soured somewhat. Well, that's not treating him well, is it? I laughed at her comment. Oh, Lucy, he'll be fine, love. You don't need to worry about him. But she seemed off with me all evening after that. The next day, Lucy had a friend over to play named April. The girls happily played away with their dollies in Lucy's bedroom whilst I cracked on with some general cleaning and laundry. I was folding a bedsheet and... An almighty commotion came from upstairs. Running to see what the bother was, I found Lucy laughing and pulling the office door shut, whilst her screaming friend fought with all her might to apparently get out of the office. Lucy, let go of that door immediately, I demanded. 
She shot back a gnarled face at me that I'd never seen from her before, and growled, We're playing a game. A bit taken aback, I replied, Well, April doesn't seem to be liking it, so come on, away, and tried to prise her little hands from the handle. They were like a vice around the doorknob. And then Lucy said, April didn't want to play with us, so we locked her away. Finally, by prying each finger loose, Lucy let go of the doorknob and proceeded to spit in my face before stomping off upstairs. A sobbing April flew from the office and wrapped her arms around my waist as I stood there in utter shock. She said he was going to get me, cried April, pointing towards the office desk, more specifically, pointing at the little bronze goblin that sat on top of it. Let's have a quick break to talk to you about Policy Genius. Now, we all like to put off life insurance talk because it reminds us of our mortality. But life insurance isn't about death, it's about life. It's about ensuring the lives of those you love remain secure and comfortable. And I'm sure many of you will think, well, I'm covered through work or I'm covered through my bank account. But believe me, you want to check those finer details because you may be surprised what you're actually covered for. And this is exactly where Policy Genius come into their own. Yes, we could talk about how Policy Genius is America's leading online insurance marketplace or how their award-winning agents will walk you step by step through the entire process. But the best thing about Policy Genius for me is they don't have a dog in the fight. They're not going to strong arm you towards one company or another. They've no incentive to do so. Their only incentive is to listen to your needs, scour America's top companies, and find you the best price. For example, with Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that begin at just $292 per year for $1 million of coverage. Some options even offer same day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams. There's a reason why Policy Genius has thousands of five star reviews on Google and Trustpilot, and you'll find out what it is when you tick life insurance off your to do list with Policy Genius. So head over to policygenius.com or click the link in the description to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you can save. That's policygenius.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Lucy's father was shocked and embarrassed, as you could imagine, when I told him about her little performance, and he apologized profusely. I assured him it was all fine. We'd had a big talk, and she'd been very apologetic, which she had. In truth, I tried to downplay it to the poor man. I didn't want him thinking the girl was spiralling with grief, getting out of control. And at the same time, I didn't feel comfortable telling him what I truly thought either. That I felt, somehow, 
this evil little statue was to blame. So much so that after the Lucy incident, I packed the thing in an empty coffee jar and placed it out in the garden shed under lock and key. In the few days following, Lucy was a very different person. Bright, engaging, much more back to her usual self. But then, the night before her father was due to come home, I'd read Lucy a bedtime story and came downstairs. I sat with my feet up on the couch watching TV. When I turned off the TV, I could hear a consistent, quiet thudding sound. I walked slowly out into the kitchen, listening intently to find the source of the noise. There was Lucy repeatedly softly headbutting the patio window as if trying to get out into the garden. I ran over and put my hand between her head and the glass. She seemed to be sleepwalking. He's cold. He wants to come in. She muttered over and over. He's cold. He wants to come in. I didn't sleep that night at all. Every noise or creak had me jumping out of bed and running in to check on Lucy. But each time I did, she was well away, giving the long, deep breaths which come only with the deepest of sleeps. The following morning, Alan arrived back home, and once I'd made sure Lucy was ready and had had her breakfast, I made myself scarce to let them catch up with each other. I popped down to the local village to get a few bits and bobs, As I pulled back into the drive, I smiled as I could see Alan and Lucy out in the rear garden. He was crouched on one knee and stroking her face, the pair of them smiling at each other. It truly warmed my heart. However, I felt my heart soon move into my throat as I watched Alan reach down to his side and hand over the little bronze figure to Lucy. She threw her arms around his neck to show how grateful she was. That afternoon, Alan asked me to give an update on how Lucy had been whilst he was away. Now, I wanted to try and explain about this evil little figure, but I didn't even know how to begin. Also, I didn't want to appear like a lunatic. Before I could come up with my opening line, however... He started spilling his guts to me about how difficult the last few weeks had been for him, specifically at work. It turns out that the director who died was one of the original founders of the company and, seemingly out of nowhere, had taken his own life. He'd had no previous concerns that they were aware of and apparently his family said he was his usual happy self in the weeks leading up to it. Alan had been called in to sort out some of the accounts that the guy had been working on. Three big ones specifically, to get them into some sort of order before they were handed over. And whilst he'd been looking through these accounts, Alan had found discrepancies. Big discrepancies. The only answer Alan could come up with was that the guy had been embezzling funds 
and had gotten out of his depth. He said he wouldn't know for sure until he could spend some time with the files that he'd sent over in the package when he first arrived in Dubai. Well, now seemed as good a time as any, so I said, Oh, talking about that package, what's with that creepy little bronze thing? Trying to be nonchalant. What thing? he asked, looking confused. And then, Oh, your little friend, he said, smiling. Sorry? I said. Lucy said you'd both been hiding it on each other and getting the other to go and find it. She said she peeked on you hiding it in the shed, so I went and got it out for her. He began filling the kettle. She's probably hiding it somewhere right now. He laughed. My face clearly showed that something was amiss with this information, and Alan recognised it. He flicked the kettle on, folded his arms and leant against the unit. What aren't you telling me? He asked. Well, I began. Lucy couldn't have seen me hiding that thing, because she was in school when I hid it. Right, he replied. So, she bunked off school, is that what you're not telling me? No, 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 it's not that. You see, bangs from upstairs followed by the giggles of Lucy created two very different reactions. Alan smiled and shook his head, whereas I jumped with fright and spun my head around wide-eyed. Sally, what's going on? You're acting all jumpy, he said. I took a deep breath. Okay, I know this is going to sound bizarre, mad even, but that figurine, I think, well, I think it's haunted or something. Alan didn't laugh. He just stared at me, almost with disappointment. And I understood. Believe me, I understood. This poor guy had been through the mire and was doing his best to pull his little family through a world of grief. And here was I, a grown woman, telling him he now needs to start worrying about ghosties and ghoulies and things that go bump in the night. I know how it sounds, I pleaded. Trust me, I can hardly believe the words coming out of my own mouth. But you must listen. Alan thankfully sat down with his coffee and allowed me to explain the things which had happened over the last week. When I finished, he just stared at his cup, thumbing the handle, then cleared his throat. Listen, Sally, Lucy likes you and that's all that's important to me. All this ghost nonsense. I just don't have time for this. So I'm going to fix this right now. Lucy! Lucy, darling, he shouted. My anxiety was sky high. What was he going to say to her? Was I about to lose all of her trust by looking like I'm getting her dad to tell her off? Lucy came down the stairs with that beautiful smile of hers. Darling, do me a favour. Go and get that little bronze fella I took out of the shed before, will you? Lucy's smile fell instantly. Why? A flash of shock went across Alan's face. Never mind why. I've just asked you to do something, madam. Lucy stared a hole right through me and grimaced. 
What's she been saying? She muttered through gritted teeth. Alan's face was in utter disbelief at her behaviour at this point and a flare of rage must have went through him. He stomped right up to her and angrily pointed up the stairs. Get your arse up those stairs and get that bloody thing now. Lucy burst into tears and ran off up the stairs, slamming her bedroom door. I'm so sorry about that, Alan said, facing away from me. I've never seen her like that before. He took a seat next to me, head in hands. I thought she was taking all of this a little too well. I should have expected it, really, he muttered. The whole scene had left me rather silent, and we sat in the quiet for a good few moments. I should go and apologise, he finally said, rising to his feet. Well, I'll make her a glass of juice and bring her up too, I said, and the pair of us walked quietly up the stairs. Lucy, Lucy, I'm sorry about just now, love, said Alan to the closed door, looking at me as he waited for a reply. I've brought you a juice up, Lucy, I said in as sing-songy a voice as I could manage. Still, nothing. Alan slowly tried the handle and pushed the door open a few inches. The door was slammed shut again with some force. I'm sorry, darling, do you forgive me? I just want that wee statue back. It was me friend's and I need to return it. Alan winked at me as he finished the sentence. You're lying, came Lucy's little voice from behind the door. No, I'm not, darling, honestly. He's got a wee daughter too and I need to pass it back to her. There was silence. And then, if you're not lying, why did you just wink at Sally? Said Lucy. Darling, I only meant... Alan stopped as it dawned on him. I... I didn't wink at anyone, Luce. Alan's face was now a mix of fear and confusion. You did. He saw you do it. Who did? Said Alan, his voice now becoming sterner. He tried the door again, but each time the door gave an inch and was forced closed from the other side. Who's in there with you? shouted Alan. He started thumping on the door. My friend is, and he told me that you're lying and you shouldn't be trusted, Lucy replied. The thing is, her voice sounded like it was coming from the other side of the bedroom, well away from the door that her father was still unable to open. What do you mean, your friend? Alan was now a man possessed. He began furiously kicking and charging at the door with his shoulder. Whoever's in there, I'm going to rip your bloody head off, he shouted. Then... The strangest thing that I've ever experienced happened. The walls, the floor, the very air we breathed all seemed to resonate with this low, deep hum. And for a few seconds it felt like I was being held firmly in place, as if the air around me had been set to concrete, whilst this low, weird frequency continued. Then it stopped. Not instantly. It was like it was lowered like a volume dial to silence. Then the bedroom door opened. Alan burst in, quickly followed by myself. Lucy was wide-eyed, looking out of the window and pointing. The pair of us flew to the closed window, 
Even I was expecting to see a fully grown man running away, given the strength that had held that door. But there was nothing. And as I say, the window was closed. He... he flew away, said Lucy, now joining us at the window. Who did? Alan asked. Lucy pointed back at the door, at the little bronze goblin statue that was now pushed just a few feet away after us rushing in. Trying to bring some semblance of normality to proceedings, I nodded towards the figurine. No, darling, look, he's still there. Her response chills me now as it did then. No, he's not, she said. That's just where he lived. From that moment, Lucy showed no interest in the figure, and I mean almost immediately. Alan walked over and picked it up and said, Would you mind if I give this back to the family? Lucy actually shrugged and turned back to the window, staring into the sky. To this day, I have no idea what that thing was, but I do know it had the power and inclination to change the personality of that sweet little girl. Of course, this is pure conjecture, but I do think perhaps it done the same thing to the director of the company. Another friend of mine who knows the story believes it actually might be the spirit of the director of the company. Who knows? I do know that Alan took no chances, however, and confirmed to me that the evil-looking thing is now sat firmly at the bottom of the North Sea. What a truly amazing paranormal experience that Sally shared with us there. I think in terms of our back catalogue, haunted object stories are certainly few and far between, especially ones that seem to carry such malice and malevolence. Well, that brings us to the end of episode 6 of season 7 of The Dark Paranormal. I'd like to thank you all for choosing to spend your time with me here on the show, and I'll be back with you a week today for episode 7. Of course, I'll speak to our Patreons on Sunday for another instalment of Dark Bites. And until next week, remember, when you're discussing the paranormal, always try and leave part of your disbelief at the front door. And I'll see you next time, here, on The Dark Paranormal. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.